You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrgs.nl. Now, let's get into the podcast. Good morning. On this Pentecost morning. (laughs) Hey, before I start, I just want to say um, greetings from Paul. He's doing well. Uh, he actually had hoped to maybe, maybe drop in today, but I guess uh, not quite there yet. It's only been three weeks, but uh, we visited him sometime, a few times. He's been part of our meetings at the staff already, sometimes online, sometimes we go to him. So yeah, he's doing well. All right? So Pentecost. Pentecost is a day where normally my neighbor, you know, uh, if it's nice weather, I'm outside after the service doing something nice with the family, and then he leans over the fence and he says, this day. What, what was it again? Why do we have a day off? You know, it's, it's one of these lesser known feasts, right? Yet it's so immense important. Um, and the short answer is that on Easter we celebrate that Jesus is risen. Then he walked the earth for 40 days and then he was taken up into heaven on Ascension Day. And then 10 days later, it's Pentecost where the Holy Spirit is given to the church, to us. So 50 days after Easter, it's Pentecost. And that's what the name Pentecost means, 50th day. All right? Now, today we're at the end of the Road to Freedom series. And we've been talking about all the ways that the pandemic has affected us, all the things that we're struggling with. And uh, maybe it was good for you. Maybe you still feel overwhelmed. You're struggling with these issues, and you feel I'm, I'm still struggling with these issues on my own. And today we're celebrating that we're not on our own. Now, let's unpack that a bit. Let's look at Pentecost. Let's look at the the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, let me take you back first to first century, first century Jews. What did they believe? They would believe that, you know, Pentecost is the 50th day after Passover. And it was an agricultural festival. And the farmers would come and bring the first sheaf of wheat to the temple to be offered as, a, as, a, as, as gratitude to the Lord for, for the harvest that is to come. And, and also as a prayer that the rest of the harvest would be brought in safely. Next to that, some Jews believed that, you know, or celebrated that Pentecost was the 50th day after Passover. Passover was... Uh, we're celebrating the Exodus, we're coming out of Egypt. Israelites were, were, were escaping from Egypt. And 50 days later, in the desert, they came to Mount Sinai, and they were given the law. Moses went up the mountain, met with God, came down with these two stone tablets with the commandments written on them. The, God's way f- for how to live. His rules for living. And now the Spirit is poured out on Pentecost. And these two concepts, the harvest and the giving of the law, are reinterpreted. Let's look at the first one first. In Matthew 9, Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So the work of the disciples is described as harvesting. There's people out there that need to be brought into the kingdom. There's people out there that need to hear the gospel. And then in Acts 1, just before Jesus returns to the Father, he tells his disciples that they will receive power when the Holy Spirit is put out on them to, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in, to the ends of the earth. 
So the main reason the Holy Spirit came is to equip us and to give us power to accomplish God's mission in the world, to bring in the harvest, to, to continue the mission of Christ, to be his hands and feet, so to say. And on that first Pentecost, we can see the first fruits of that harvest. <laughs> 3,000 people were added to the number today. So that's the reinterpreting of the harvest. Now, the second idea of Pentecost, the giving of the law, that's what I want to dwell on a little bit longer today. And there's much to say about it. We're going to look at the book of Galatians mostly. I'm going to jump through it a little bit, but I'll bring in other texts as well. So, so bear with me, all right? First of all, Galatians uh, 5 verse 18, Paul says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're no longer under the law. Now, if that's not a reinterpretation, I don't know what is. The Holy Spirit given on Pentecost has somehow replaced living by the law. What does that mean? How does that work? Now, you need to know, of course, and you probably know that first century Jews or Jews believe that by living, um, by following the commandments of God, by living according to the law, law the, the Lord would bless them. Um, the Lord would accept them. You just needed to be this good person that, that did what was in the law and God would accept you. And now Paul takes this whole letter to the Galatians to explain how futile that is. There's no way, Paul says, that you'll be able to live up to the law or, or live in such a way that God will accept you. By observing the law, no one will be justified, he says. Chapter 2, verse 16 in Galatians. But now Jesus has come and he has fulfilled the law. And, and the gospel is that if we believe in the work of Christ, what he's done on Easter morning, that he's risen from the dead, if we accept that, he will declare you righteous, apart from following the law. And that was the gospel that Paul preached to the Galatians. But now, after Paul has started all these churches in the province of Galatia, and he had moved on, reports come to him. They're telling him, there's people that come into the church, and they're convincing these new converts that, Yes, you, you, you are a follower of Christ now, but you now also need to, to follow the rules and regulations of the Jewish faith. Follow the law in a, for you to be accepted by Christ. And, and Paul is just, he can't believe it. He's upset and he writes this letter. So let's look what Paul has to say in Galatians 3. Let's read it together. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you His Spirit and were miracles among you by the works of the law? or by believing what you heard. You foolish Galatians. Paul is upset. And here in these first few verses of chapter 3, he makes the claim that it's not only through the gospel that, that, uh, that we're saved, but also through the gospel that we grow. By the gospel, the Spirit came into our lives, and he started to transform us. Work miracles in our lives. Our, our lives were changed in a miraculous way by the work of the Spirit in our hearts. 
And, and, and Paul is asking all these questions about how the Spirit came in, into their lives. But before he does, he talks about Christ. He says, before your eyes, Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. That's where it starts for Paul, Christ crucified. And the word translated as clearly has these connotations in, in the original language as, of graphically, vividly. The way he's saying it describes that although they'd not been personally present at the crucifixion, the crucifixion it, it, it was as, as if they were. Paul has preached to them. They accept the gospel. And, and, and it was as though they've been there. Before their very eyes, they'd seen it graphically, vividly. The, the crucifixion had become real to them. Not in just in their minds. They had internalized it. They were so convinced that it was as though they've seen it personally happen. Now, sometimes, you know, sometimes we know something, but, but it's not real to us yet. We, we can't believe it quite yet. You know, sometimes you see, see an interview of an athlete at, at a big event, maybe at the Olympics. They won a gold medal. They've been training it for years. Uh, they've, they've been, they, they sacrificed their life for it. It's been the number one goal in their lives. It, they did everything to get to that point, and now they won the gold medal. And there's this interview with them, even on the track that just... Went over the finish line, and of course, the first question is, how do you feel? <laughs> how is it to be, a, to, to be an Olympic winner now? And, and quite often you hear them say, well, it's, it, it's, it's great, but I, I, I can't really believe it yet. It hasn't, it's not really real. It feels like I'm dreaming. It feels like it hasn't sunk in yet. It will take some time. Ask me after the circus is over and I've sit down, then I'll realize what has really happened. Or, or, or sometimes when, when we've lost a loved one. Sometimes it takes hours, days, sometimes weeks to, to really sink in, to really understand that this person is really no longer there for it to become real, right? And the Galatians had heard the gospel. They'd heard about what Christ has done for them. It had sunk in. They understood it, not only with their minds, but with their hearts, with their emotions. Christ has died for me, for me. The message had gripped their hearts. In 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 4 we read, Our gospel came to you not simply by words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. A Christian is not someone who just knows it, but who, for whom it's become real, who sees it, who sees Christ on the cross. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To help us see, see that Christ, what Christ has done for us, to deeply convict us. That what through Jesus did for me, I'm now declared righteous in God's sight. All grace, unmerited grace. And you grasp it. And you get it. And it has sunk in. And it's become real to you. And then Paul says, by believing that, by accepting that, the Holy Spirit has come into your lives. Now, we often talk about Jesus living in our hearts, and we say, nice, you know, and we take it rather easily. But, but think about it for a moment. It's really something astonishing. It's awe-inspiring. It's mind-blowing. The creator of the universe the all-powerful God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, has taken up residence in our hearts. 
the Holy Spirit living in our hearts. In 2 Peter 1 verse 4, Peter says, we're partakers of the divine nature. Can you believe that? Can we think that over for a minute? The Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This perfect unity, this perfect community, each perfectly submitting to each other, each sharing everything they have with the others, each loving each other perfectly, each distinct persons, but living in such unity, in such community, they're one, has taken up residence in our hearts. In John 17, Jesus prays for the believers. Listen to what he prays. That all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I'm in you, may they also be in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me. That they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you've loved them even as you've loved me. Jesus somehow wants us to be included in that same unity that he has with the Father. You and me, I and you, them in us. Describing this beautiful union. And now the Holy Spirit has come and he lives in our hearts. We're partakers of that divine nature. And, and, and we're somehow part of that perfect community. How does that work? That, that's awesome. <laughs> Let it sink in. How would that change you? How should that change you? How is it even possible? It can only be because of what Christ did on the cross, right? We, with all our imperfections, with our secret lives, with our sins, could never be part of such a perfect unity. But Jesus took all that, and he paid the price, and now we're declared righteous. And, one, and, and, and we're hidden in Christ, and when the Father looks at us, he only sees Jesus. We are free from following the law now. We are loved by the Father. There's nothing we can do to make him love us less. There's nothing we can do to make him love us more. We do not have to try to impress him. We do not have to try to prove that we're worthy of his love. We are accepted. And now Paul is saying, Galatians, come on, have you forgotten all that? What are you doing? How did the Spirit come to you? By following the law, by being a good enough person? Or by believing. You are accepted. And the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. It says in Galatians 5. And then, and then if you realize that I'm included in this divine nature. If, if people look at me somehow. I'm, I'm, I'm part of that, that, that unity. Then, then my prayer should be. How can my life reflect your grace Lord? How can my my life communicate your love because I'm representing you. And now we finally are in the right frame of mind to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Easter and Pentecost, they go together. Apart from the work of Christ, we cannot talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came into our hearts when it had sunk in what Christ has done for us. There's this beautiful text in John 16. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. 
And he will tell you what's yet to come. He will glorify me. Because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that the Father, all, all that belongs to the Father is mine. And that's why I said to this, said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Again, this beautiful description of how the Trinity works. Each distinct person is sharing all they have with the others. The Father sharing with Christ, Christ sharing with the Spirit, and the Spirit then sharing with us. What's the role of the Spirit? To bring glory to Christ by guiding us into all truth. So if we look at the role of the Spirit in our lives, it should be, the end result should be that it brings glory to Christ, right? It's all about the gospel. It all starts with Christ crucified, living out of an encounter with Christ. You've been accepted. You are free. You have been forgiven. And the Holy Spirit is there to remind us of this truth, to lead us into this truth, to convict us of this truth, to help us live out of that truth, to proclaim that truth. To give out the same grace that's been given to us. The same forgiveness that we've received. To not pretend that we're better than others. No, we too are sinners. We're not the people we want to be. We're not the people God wants us to be. But we are loved and we are accepted. And we are forgiven. And the Holy Spirit is there to help us to be single-minded about it. No faith and something else. Not faith and you need to be a good person who no, you are accepted and the holy spirit will help us break these chains that we've been talking about you know the things that are holding us captive next to the gospel many of these issues that we talked about in the last few weeks living with shame living with guilt trapped in a habit or a hang-up or, or these addictions facing these giants in our lives worry fear the holy spirit will help us break these chains once we replace our willpower to be good enough with the willingness to accept God's power, the Holy Spirit. And it starts with this encounter with Christ. And then Paul goes on in Galatians 5. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Embrace one another. <laughs> At the end of Jesus' prayer in John 17, where he prays that, that, that the believers would be included in this in its relationship that he has with the Father, he prays so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you've loved them even as you've loved me. The work... If the Holy Spirit in our lives will lead to unity, and that unity will lead to glory to Christ. We'll be a witness in the world. We're not a community of perfect people, and we're so good, and therefore people will see that they want to be part of us. No, we're a community of broken people, helping each other along, forgiving each other as Christ forgave us, helping each other in our struggles, coming alongside each other, encouraging one another, serving one another. That's our witness in the world. That's a community where people will think of, I can be part of that. I don't need to shape up my life first. I don't have to be perfect to fit in. I don't have to have my life together. But this group will accept me. I can be who I am. 
despite the mess I've made of my life, I will, and, and they will sense the grace of God in our unity among us and how we treat each other. Like the Trinity, we will submit to one another, share with one another, serve one another, sharing whatever the Lord has given us. That's why these spiritual gifts are given. Right? Remember, the Holy Spirit will bring glory to Jesus. Unity of the blo- in, in the body of believers will bring glory to Jesus, and each have been given gifts to serve the others, to build others up, to become more and more mature and more and more united for the glory of Jesus. In this first letter to the Corinthians, in uh, chapter 12, Paul says, that different kind of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. The different kinds of service, but the same Lord. The different kinds of working, but all of them in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then he gives his whole list of gifts, like wisdom, knowledge, faith, miraculous, powers, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, all these gifts. But the important thing to see is that each one has been given a manifestation of the Spirit. Each of you has been given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, to serve one another. And that's the humbling thing about Pentecost. God chooses to work through us with His Spirit to advance His kingdom in the world. He's given us gifts to serve one another, like the Trinity serving one another, like the Trinity sharing with each other what they have. We're to do the same thing. Now, don't get hung up on what kind of gifts you've been given before you start serving, all right? That's not the important thing. Just start serving. Just come alongside one another. Just encourage one another. Just see what you can do. Just start doing it, and you will see God working through you. Sign up. (laughs) Sign up maybe to serve in the children's ministry as you've just seen. There's hundreds of kids here every Sunday that needs to hear about Christ. There's parents serving multiple times a month because there's no no one else helping. Give them a chance to come here as well. Do this together. Form a unity. Serve one another. And then a bit later in the chapter, Paul describes the, the, the church, the body of believers, as a body, and not just anybody, but Christ's body. And he says, all of you have a role to play there. Some are a hand, some are a foot, some are a tendon, some are a intestine, or whatever. All need to work together to be this unity and form the body of Christ, part of the Trinity, right? And if we're not playing our roles, we will be looking at a one-handed Christ or a one-eyed Christ. That can't be it. That's not bringing glory to Christ. Now, we talked about all the things that we we, we struggled with in the lockdown, the ways it hurt us. And as a body, we're to take care of each other. Look around you. These are the people that God brought into your life. They have something to offer. They have something that the Spirit gave them to help the others. The Spirit gave you something to help all the others deal with their issues for the glory of Christ. And together, 
we grow and we become mature and we get united and we reach unity. So yeah, the Holy Spirit will work in your life to deal with your issues, but at the same time, he will work in your life to be the presence of him to others to deal with their issues. So live by the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit, Galatians 5 says. Now, it does require effort. The Spirit wants to help you break free from the change that are holding you captive. And it all starts with Jesus on the cross. Let it sink in. What has he done for you? Don't forget it. Don't be foolish as the Galatians. Submit yourself to him in response. Then the Holy Spirit will come. The almighty God will take up residence in your heart. And by keeping in step with him, empowered by him, you will grow. You will be able to deal with your issues. You'll be able to help others deal with theirs. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.